If you have your Bible or a church Bible, our reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 27, going through to the end of 42. That's on page 1034, if you're using one of the church Bibles. Just while people are looking that up and there's still a little rustling of pages, let me ask you, are you listening? Are you listening? Because, verse 27, But to you, Jesus said, you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other one also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give And it will be given to you, a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Nigel. Let's pray, shall we? God, our Father, thank you for your word, and we do pray that we would be listening. We'd be listening to it. Please, uh, would you come by your spirit and help us to see and understand who Jesus is and all that he has for us. In his name we pray. Amen. I, um, in preparation for this uh, talk, um, I came across uh, 
uh, Jade Goody. Do you remember Jade Goody? Um, she was in the, the Big Brother. Do you remember that in 2002? Channel 4 programme, The Big Brother. And um, she was the star of the show that year uh, for her perceived lack of decorum. Uh, she was always saying quite outrageous things. And she was dubbed at the time by the media as the most hated woman in Britain. Oh, that's quite a title, isn't it? The most hated woman in Britain. Sadly, she was diagnosed uh, with cervical cancer and died in 2009, just at the age of 27. Her early years were really hard. Her paternal father was from the West Indies, who was racially abused by the far-right National Front. Her mother was a, a drug addict and... Her father was a pimp. And what's probably known less about her is her faith, her faith in Jesus Christ. She was baptised just four weeks before uh, her, her death. The minister at her funeral said these words. I know that Jade liked reading the Gospel of Luke. It's the one that highlights God's love for unlikely people. Reading how Jesus welcomed those who weren't particularly religious and how Jesus spent time with people like herself, down-to-earth people whose lives, like Jade's, were at times flawed and difficult. But those lives were precious to God. And she will have read there in Luke's Gospel of Jesus bringing the hope that we all need. That's what the minister said about her. The most hated woman in Britain. And yet dearly loved by Jesus. And it's Luke's Gospel that we're reading here uh, this morning in this series that speaks of Jesus, the saviour of the world, A saviour Jade Goody discovered. A saviour that we also can discover this morning. The Bible begins with a a great declaration that God has made the world and everything in it. He made it good. He made it out of love. And then humans, of course, rejected and rebelled against God. And we've all done that, and we have been confessing that this morning as we don't like the fact that, we don't, that we're not at the centre. Um, and for rebelling against God, we deserve to be wiped out. Yet the Bible is the story of the greatest love story, of a God who loves us despite all our flaws and, and failings. And of course it speaks of his coming. The whole Bible story is about God coming And uh, that's been the title of this series. Jesus comes. He comes to save. He comes to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And who did he come to first? He came to a young teenage girl that we're going to hear a lot about over the next few weeks in an insignificant backwater called Nazareth. Came to some shepherds on a hillside who were often shunned. He came to, as we've been reading in uh, Luke's Gospel, to a paralysed man, to a loathed tax collector, 
even to the most hated woman in Britain. And he comes even to us this morning. And as you read on uh, in the Bible, we see God comes to love. Not to wipe um, rebels off the planet, but to welcome them. Welcome those who, who don't deserve it. You see, God doesn't come for the lovely. If he did, if you think about it, he wouldn't love any of us, would he? God doesn't come to those who deserve his love. Because again, if we think about it, none of us deserve it. He loves the undeserving, those who hated him, those who pushed him away, those who rebelled against him. And now Jesus tells his disciples... He tells them what? He tells them to go and do likewise, actually. It's an incredible moment, as verse 27 says. The command is, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And this is the first specific command that Jesus gives here in Luke. And you might be expecting him, well, why start there? I mean, you know, maybe he should be, why didn't he start with the Ten Commandments or something more like that, or some religious practices? No, he starts, love your enemies. And the other kind of great pillar command in this section was in verse 37. Do not judge, he says. And those are the two that we're going to concentrate on this morning because there's so much here. This loving your enemy comes in the light of what Jesus has already said to them. We heard this last week in verse 22. It says, blessed are you when people hate you when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Because we've seen uh, last week that following Jesus means we may be hated, we may be excluded, we may be insulted or rejected. People will dismiss the Christian faith. So what do we do then? Jesus says to, to love, to love our enemies. So firstly, he's thinking, firstly, he's thinking of those who hate us because we follow Jesus. Jesus says we're to love them. And yet, I don't know about you, I'm on Twitter, and as I scroll through some of what I read on Twitter uh, from people who, who say that they are Christians, it's, it's far from loving and kind and of loving of enemies. You know, Richard Dawkins, you've heard of him, the most uh, probably well-known atheist, he says that he receives regular hate mail from so-called Christians telling him to burn in hell. It's terrible, isn't it? I mean, whatever our disagreements, we're called to love. You know, I think about tonight's topic, which I really hope that you come to. I think it's really important for us to engage in that. But think about that. Often we hear, um, particularly perhaps from over the pond, about doctors and nurses receiving death threats. We may disagree, but where is the love of our enemies to do good to them, to pray for them, to bless them? Of course, this goes far beyond those who don't like you because of your faith, it's anyone who has harmed us in any way. We're to, to pray for them. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? To pray for them. And I was thinking about who, sh- who do I need to add to my prayer list? Who do I need to be praying for? Someone who's g- 
giving you a rough time at the moment. It may be somebody from a very long time ago, someone who's caused you such misery. Jesus, in verse 29, he then spells it out in even more detail and more plainly. He says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. What does that actually mean? Why does someone slap someone on a cheek? Have you thought about that? Is it to knock them out? Well, no. It's actually, is it to, to rob them? No, it's not to do with that at all. You slap somebody on the cheek to insult them, don't you? I mean, if you were um, trying to knock them out, I don't know much about uh, karate, but you would, I would just go bop them on the chin, wouldn't you, rather than slap them. Not that I would do that. I need to learn this. Now, this is to do with an insult. So why do you turn the other cheek? Um, is it a kind of a, a, an aggressive approach to say, come on, you can do better than that? <laughs> you know? No. So what is this turning the other cheek? Well, I was thinking about this. We do kind of know this in our, our, our culture. I, was, I remember when I used to go and visit, um, as a child, Auntie Val and Uncle Keith. They, were, they weren't proper uncles and, and aunts, but they were, we called them Auntie, Uncle. Um, and um, we would go in, you would enter their house, and they would say hello to you, and then, and then they would turn the cheek to you. And as I can tell you, as a 13-year-old as a boy, how embarrassing that was, because it was all about... <laughs> and sometimes four times. And being a particularly reserved person, as you probably know, that was just like, oh, no. <laughs> but you, you, you get what turning the cheek is actually saying here. It's actually saying it's to offer a, a welcome. It's actually to offer... An intimacy. You've insulted me, but I'm going to welcome you anyway. It's tough, isn't it? It's, 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 it's amazing what Jesus is saying. You see, when we're insulted by someone, it's, it's usually about our ego, it's about our pride um, that is being wounded. And Jesus is saying, when that happens, don't just trade insults, offer friendship, offer welcome. And that, of course, is so unnatural to us, isn't it? It's so unnatural, because when we, somebody laughs at us or, or, or insults us, we just want to get back at them. Or whether we're on the, you know, on the motorway and somebody cuts in in front of us, our instinct is to want to get back, isn't it? Peep the horn or make a, a gesture at them. But Jesus comes along and says, turn the other cheek. It's an incredible principle that he's giving us here. He's saying, above all, don't be concerned for your own dignity and pride for your own possessions and wealth you see that come out here as well if I'm concerned about me and my feelings me and my things then inevitably we'll be competitive we will um, be confrontational about things yet if I'm in the kingdom of God then my approach should be one as a child of God a child of the most high it says of somebody who is loved by God, who is accepted and secure in that, dearly loved by the creator of the universe. My life and my, my possessions are safe in him. 
No one can take that away from you. And therefore it gives you the ability, the ability to move out, ability to move out in love to those who insult us or exclude us or reject us. How many squabbles could be nipped in the bud if we, if we actually lived like this? How many, how many uh, family feuds and disputes would be resolved quickly? But often we throw petrol on the fire and whoosh, it goes up, doesn't it? Jesus is saying, love, love, do anything, do anything rather than exacerbate the situation. Of course, we're not to be, and, and he, he says this, you know, we're not to be unwise in this. If someone is constantly stealing from you or being abusive to you, it may be the wise thing to inform authorities, isn't it? In certain situations, it might be right and good to act carefully and with consideration. Actually, it's the loving thing to do. But the discretion is to be dictated not by self, but by love. By love. Love is the principle, not just for those who love us, not just for those who are good to us, not just to those who are useful to us or those who look like us. Someone uh, once wrote this. I thought this was really helpful. Love for those who like us is ordinary. Love for those who are like us is narcissistic. Love for those who are unlike us is extraordinary. And love for those who dislike us is revolutionary. That's the kind of love Jesus calls his followers to. And if we take a moment, we'll quickly realise just how tough this is. Jesus isn't saying being passive, uh, just being passive or, or to just walk away. He's actually being, telling us to be positive towards and move towards people who are, are our enemies, to do good to them, to pray for them, to, to seek to bless them. And it shouldn't take us long to realise just how impossible this is. No command alone can do this. No law can legislate for this, can it? No one can love like this. Our hearts are just a melting pot of grievances, of pride that gets so easily hurt and wounded. And of course we realise, don't we, that we need a new heart. We need a new heart. We need the good news of Jesus. And that's where verse 36 is so critical. If you take no verse away, other verse, take verse 36 away. What does it say? It says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. If you sense just how difficult this command is, I'd encourage you not to dwell on the first half of the verse first. Do not dwell on the command first. Because all that will do is make you feel inadequate, make you feel guilty and, and, and give up. Focus instead on what? On the Father who is merciful to us. Focus on his love for us, who has shown us incredible mercy by sending his son, the Lord Jesus, to die for us, to die for those who who do not love him, who are undeserving, who are sinful, who loves us all the same, despite. Because then we realise, don't we, we're actually enemies of God, and he still loves us. 
I was reading an example of this from the life of a, a Ugandan bishop called Festo Kivengeri. He lived under the di- di- dictator Idi Amin. You might re- re- be familiar with him. Terrible atrocities. Estimated 400,000 people were slaughtered under his rule. Festo, Bishop Festo had to flee, came to London, and he faced an, a, a spiritual challenge in terms of his own attitude towards, as a Christian, towards Idi Amin, who'd killed thousands, who'd driven him and his family and many into exile. He was in London, he, it was Good Friday, and he came to All Souls, Langham Place, and he heard John Stott preaching. His heart was filled with bitterness towards Idi Amin, and then he heard Jesus' words from the cross. It's Good Friday, and he heard the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Festo wrote uh, later, he wrote this, he said, I... I heard the Lord saying, my child, if Amin had been in that circle of soldiers crucifying me, would I have said, Father, forgive them all except this big Ugandan below me? Festo responded, Lord, I'm here and now forgiving Idi Amin. See, it's at the cross that we find this and this way to move out to love. And his whole life was changed. He wrote a little book, even with the title, I Love Idi Amin. All because he dwelled on God, who is merciful, on the cross where forgiveness is found for the ungrateful and, as the scripture says, and the wicked. Jesus says, love your enemies and do not judge. And we cannot do it in our own cold hearts. You see, just pointing to the command will not change my heart or your heart. I need a love that, cannot, that does not come naturally. And that power comes from the gospel, from the good news of Jesus. It's a massive challenge for us, isn't it? Many of you will have deep hurts maybe from a long time ago. And I'd encourage you not to dwell on the the first part of the command first. Don't dwell just on the person or, or the group that you're thinking of. Don't just dwell on your feelings. But instead, dwell on the gospel. Dwell on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dwell on the cross, just as Bishop Festo did. Dwell on the God who loves you and has made you a child of his, a child of the Most High, who knows everything about you, who sent his son to die for you, to save you because he's merciful and he's forgiving. And when we do that, that will change our hearts. It will melt us as the Holy Spirit pounds our hearts with that good news of Jesus. Then we will move out into the world to love our enemy, and to not judge. How are we going to respond? Well, in a moment, we're going to take bread and wine, aren't we? And um, while I set the table up, I encourage us just to have a quiet moment 
and to dwell on that. Dwell on God our Father who is merciful, who has shown you and I mercy because we're wicked and ungrateful. And as we do that, let that then move us out towards those who we find hard to love, to love our enemies. Let's just do that.